grateful for you that are here this morning. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Mark, and I'm happy to share this week with you guys from, from uh, his word. Uh, for those watching online, again, welcome, as always. Uh, that's the, the power of YouTube. Use it for good. It's great. For those listening on our podcast, uh, again, probably you were volunteering this week, so I just want to, from my heart to yours, say thank you. Thank you for wrangling those kids so that we can just enjoy this time together up here. That stomp was for you down there. All right. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of times get texts throughout the week of people just, you know, listening in on the podcast and just uh, staying connected to this church as we grow together. That's our heart. That's the reason why we want to do that, to stay on that same page, to make um, as, as big of a, a difference and an influence in our community as possible and to do that together. Uh, and so grateful for you, grateful for those who are a part of this. And uh, thank you for that. Um, this morning, uh, the, just wanted to start with a thought. I was at Great Wolf Lodge this week with our family. I uh, had a great time there. Actually, I accidentally wore the uniform that they all wear there, and so they gave me a name tag, and I got the ears, and I got to, I got to try that job. I'm going to keep this one, but... Um, it was uh, a good experience, and it's uh, one of the water slides we were going on. I was walking up there. I saw this tattoo. There's a lot of tattoos out there, but there's, uh, there's a lot of bad tattoos out there, actually. But there was this tattoo on this girl's back that just simply said, live for the moment. And because I had to stand behind her for like 20 minutes, I was like thinking about that. Live for the moment. Live for the moment. I wonder what inspired her to make that decision to just, you know, get that tattoo to say, I just want people behind me to be reminded to live for the moment. But uh, I thought, what, what, would, what would inspire that? And I wondered... You know, were there times in her life where she was like, man, I just don't want to miss out on something, so I want to live for the moment? And then I wondered the flip side, too. Is there going to be times where she looks back and goes, wow, I wish I hadn't just lived for the moment at this point. I wish I had thought ahead and lived a little bit for the future as well. And this morning, I want you to keep that in mind as we go through that idea of living for the moment or living for the future, dreaming of the future. Uh, it's, this is about the time where the New Year's resolutions, if people made them, they're no, no longer keeping them. I just found this. I thought, that's pretty clever. You can use the same... New Year's resolution for the next few years, just edit it, right? So the, um, this is about the time, though, that if you made a resolution, it's really the time where it kind of drops off, right? The gym has stopped seeing you show up. Uh, the, you, they, they got you on a one-year membership because they know by February they won't see you anymore. Or for you, maybe those who are like, I'm going to eat healthier. You've been back to the McDonald's drive through window. You're like, well, I'll have the salad as long as it's on top of the burger. Uh, it should be okay. Or if you're like me, I'm like, I'm giving up on the sugar and... I'm back on the sugar. For many of you, you said, I'm going to read the Bible through this year. And then you're looking at your app and you're like, oh man, 11 missed days. You know what? Just going to pack it in. I'll try again next year. No hands for that. All right. But these resolutions we make, or thoughts we have, it doesn't matter when you make them. So often they, they drop off. But this year as I was uh, considering this, this January, here's strange because for me, I felt like there's a whole bunch of resolutions that were never made that people are keeping. They seem to be keeping resolutions they didn't make. And, and uh, this year has been different from, from other years. There's always this kind of stuff, but it almost felt like this year, people's resolutions that they subconsciously made were, this is the year I'm going to screw up my marriage. This is the year I'm going to fight with my kids. This is the year I'm going to stop talking to that friend. I'm going to cut them out of my life. This is the year I'm going to hold a grudge till the bitter end. This is the year that I choose not to forgive. Most people don't write those resolutions down and say, yeah, this is the ones I want to keep. But in my conversations over the past month and a half, it is like over and over and over again, unbelievable how many seem to be that was their, that was their thing. And they're keeping their resolutions. 
Relationships are in a difficult, difficult spot. And so I want to start a new series this morning talking through the month of February about something that affects all of us. And it's this thing called relationships. Relationships, today's just an introduction to it. Uh, It's not going to be an end-all and be-all. You might leave with more questions than answers, but that's why I come back next week. It's why we do a series. But you have all kinds of different relationships, and they can all go through different seasons and phases. You know, friends, friendship, you know, the kids right now in the portable, they're making friends, and then, you know, at some point, there's one of those friends becomes their BFF friend for a while. Anybody had those for a while? You're not supposed to have them anymore as adults, but, um, the, you know, the BFF friends. And then as you get older, all of a sudden, it's, you get, get, get to that spot where you're like, there's the dating relationship, and then there's the engaged relationship, and then there's married relationship, and then there's parents. If you have children, all of a sudden, there's children and parent relationships. And then because you got married, you have in-law relationships. And then, you know, if you got a job, you have boss relationships, and maybe you have siblings, so you have siblings. Uh, you've got your, your boss or your employees to, have, to, to navigate that relationship, or your sports team that you're a part of or your church family and you're like you can't choose everyone in your church family but some of you did you swapped you were used to go to Saturday night and now you decide we're going to do Sunday morning instead because I'd rather try and choose this family over that one uh, it goes both ways just so you know some left to Saturday night because of you so but we have these relationships we try and we try and navigate and sometimes they get difficult because sometimes you have to say like Facebook would say it's complicated when you describe your relationships it's like the the used-to-be-married relationship. You know, the, the, the wife is now ex-wife or ex-husband relationship. The in-laws are now the outlaws. And, you know, we used to be friends, but uh, now I'm not, I'm not sure anymore. I used to go to that church, and now I go to this one, and it's, it's complicated. And I think if we're honest, we can laugh about some of the things, but if we're, if we're honest, there's times in our lives that relationships have brought some of the, the, the greatest pain into our, into our lives. And, and so the, the, the thought of this this morning is that we would keep dreaming about our future family, that we would dream about what our future family could look like and to, to have that hope that, that down the road could be something positive, could be something greater, whether it's for us or for the next generation. Uh, I was on Facebook and I saw this, um, this little video of this girl. She was in her 20s and she was dreaming about her future and what her future was going to be like. And she was going to, you know, get married and have the house and the picket fence and the kids. And then you see the later at the end of the video, her real life, she's 30. She's at the bank machine. It's like, oh, there's no money left and I'm still single. And it was just this, it didn't go the way she had planned. But I think sometimes when we get to a place where we find it didn't go the way we've planned, that we decide to stop dreaming. And maybe for you, your stories are like this, you know, as as maybe you were the woman dreaming of your future and you thought your future was going to look like this. (laughs) You were like, oh man, I'm dreaming about tall, dark, and handsome someday. And then you ended up with this. And (laughs) like we always say, you know, he's tall and when it's dark, he's handsome. Uh, But, but... (laughs) Maybe it didn't go that way. And maybe for you, you're on the flip side. You're the, you're the guy and you're like, yes, I'm going to, you know, my, my dream, my hope is that it's going to be like this. We're just always going to be so in love. She's always going to be so into me. It's just going to be great. And then you get married and you find out happy wife, happy life. And you wonder like, is this, is this all there is? You know, what, what did I do wrong? And no nudging, okay? Because we have cameras, security cameras, which are in 4K. We can like, I look back later, we can see. But we've all had it where things didn't pan out quite the way that we had hoped. And as I was studying, you know, the the letters that we just talked about, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and he talked about putting on the armor of God. Remember we had that saying, you know, from now on? Put that on. What what kind of things were we supposed to put on? Anybody remember? Faith. Faith. Yeah, what else? Salvation. Salvation. Truth. 
righteousness. Those are the things you said, put them on. Put on the good news of the gospel. Put that on. You're going to need armor because you're in a spiritual battle. And we said, we thought maybe Paul was sitting in his cell and he's looking out the Roman guard. He's like, oh, you know, that Roman guard keeps me in the cell. But maybe if, if I could take what he's wearing and, and the, the shield and the helmet and, and put, that into, put that into a picture for Jesus followers, they, that they'll realize, you know, they need that armor. They just need it in a different way. I thought maybe, you know, hey, you're in this spiritual battle. But what I realized is Paul wrote this right after he wrote about relationships, about husbands and wives and parents and children. I think maybe he thought, ah, if they're going to do this relationship thing, they're probably going to need some armor. Because it seems like wherever there's relationships, there can be the temptation for hostility or the, the time where we spend so much time fighting against each other rather than fighting for one another. And we seem to live in an upset kind of world. Uh, this week on the, you know, it's like you just watch even on Facebook, people get upset about politics and then it's like the keyboard ninjas start going after each other, right? It's like, you know, this and this and this and this and Trump. And I, don't, I am amazed at how much Canadians care about American presidents. I don't, I, it baffles me. But it's enough to go to blows with people. People hating on each other because Trump's a Christian. Trump's not a Christian. Trump's a Christian. That's it. We're not Christians anymore. And it's like, it's just this. Oh, for what? But it's in us. It's that thought of, man, to be, be upset. Um, people this week were upset about the halftime show at the Super Bowl. There's like this, this, you know, this rage that starts coming out. And then all of a sudden, it was it was crazy. Like church people are like, I can't believe they allowed that stuff on TV. I can't believe they allowed that. There's so much children present. And then on this side, is like the other side. And you think it'd be like, you know, the, 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 uh, the side saying, ah, you know what, just go back to your church. But it was other church people on the other side going, oh, you judgmental hypocrites, you know, you shouldn't be judging them for that. And then on this side, it's like, you know, well, yeah, well, th- this is against, this is sin. And this is like, yeah, well, Jesus says grace. And there's this back and forth. And there's people in the middle being like, I don't know what they're upset about, but I don't like you and I don't like you. So let's be upset at you and you. I have no idea, but I just want to be upset set for a while. And that is very much the world that we interact with every single day. Have those chances, and sometimes it's in your home, sometimes it's at your work, sometimes it's at your school, and we spend so much energy in this battle against one another. And I I wonder, I wonder if it isn't true that those relationships that we so often battle against aren't actually worth, or, or that we should be considering them worth fighting for. How many of those things are worth fighting for to invest energy in fighting for them rather than against them? How many marriages are worth fighting for? You're like, I don't know. I've been spending so much time fighting against. Is it worth fighting for? How many of those relationships where that friend is like, man, I, they blew the trust. I don't know if it's worth fighting for. And relationships can be tricky. To be honest, it can be real tricky. Uh, Mark Twain said this, the more that I learn about people, the more I like my dog. And that's 100 years ago. I just found a study from 2018. The New York Post survey did a survey of pet owners, and they found that, that 82% of pet owners will actually skip out on family interactions to go spend time with their, with their pet. And then there's others that they said 50% of pet owners admitted they would rather spend time with their pet than with real humans. 50%. How many own pets? All right, so 50% of those are... I know. I was like, interesting. I'm like, that's just not possible. It, it can't be. And then I was reading the Guinness Book of World Records this week, and I saw this ad for the Licky. I don't know if you've seen the Licky, but the Licky is a prosthetic tongue that you put in your mouth so you can lick your cat. Thank you for that response. That's better than last night. Where do we buy those? Uh, 
problem is with that, with that thing is that people actually buy this thing and the, the thought that the relationship with an animal could be closer, and I know some of you love your pets and I'm not against your pets and all of that, but to think that as humanity, we, 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 get, we get so frustrated with the, the, the battle that we just say, let's just retreat to, to be in the easiest possible relationships, the ones that man's best friend, the ones just gonna love you, that we never have to navigate those waters. Uh, Heraclitus old guy from way back when said this, no man ever steps in the same river twice for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. And it's the same with our relationships. It doesn't matter who you meet. They're not the same person that you met the last time you saw them. Maybe it was like, well, I saw them last Sunday here at Kingsway. They're not the same person anymore. Things have happened in their life that have changed. Thoughts have gone through their mind. They've either won a battle or lost a battle up here. They're not the same person. And so when you navigate relationships with people, you always, you're always going into these things where you're not the same and they're not the same. And maybe it's like your spouse and like, oh, it was just an hour ago that I talked to them. Things can change in an hour. It just depends on what came on Facebook, what text they got, what time of the month it is. Anything can change in an hour. Sorry if we talk about real stuff. All right, so, but, but you never meet the same person twice. Things are, things are different. And so our hope as a church, our mission is to build a healthy, life-giving church that unchurched people want to become a part of. That, that's, that's what we're here to do. That's why I, that's what pounds in my chest for this church is that it would be healthy, that it'd be life-giving, that unchurched people who don't know Jesus yet would say, you know what, they have something that I want. And that's not a healthy, life-giving building. When we say the church, we know it's you, it's the people. It's not a healthy, life-giving cafe. If you saw the snacks this morning, you know we don't believe that. There's sugar like crazy back there. But to have healthy, life-giving people and healthy, life-giving people result in healthy, life-giving relationships. I, I don't know about you, but I want a healthy, life-giving marriage. I want to see people who's, you know, when you talk about marriage, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Where it's like, oh, marriage, you know, what did I do? What did I get myself into? So many, so many. The way we talk about it at work, you know, uh, my wife's awesome. Oh, the ball and chain, you know, or like whatever. Those responses, there's so many that live in these spots where it's, it's empty, it's broken, it's hurting. And it's not just marriages, but it's a big, big part of it. And so our, that's our hope as a church. Our hope as a church is, to bring, is that relationships would bring joy into your lives because they do. Do you remember if you're a parent when, you, when your first child was born? Man, like just the joy that comes into your life from a relationship. They, they're, not, there's, they're not able to offer anything, but it's just this incredible joy. You know, when you got engaged, if you remember that, or maybe it was your first date, she finally said yes. It's that joy. They're like, ah, oh, there's this incredible joy in, in our hearts and our lives. But it's those same relationships that tend to bring incredible pain into our lives. Your beautiful little child grew up to be a rebellious teenager. And you're like, oh. you know, or they stop talking to you. And it, or they go through things and they make decisions that just break your heart. And there's an incredible amount of pain that's possible. I met with a girl this week just to discuss her wedding. And she was, I just, I, I've known her from years back. And I asked her, I was like, how's your sister? And just all of a sudden, face changed, tear just came to her eyes. She's like, uh, it's not good. And it hasn't been good for 10 years. We, we've lived in the same town and we haven't spoken in 10 years. And she's like, you know, it's like a death. You grieve, but it's almost worse. Because you know they're out there, and yet you can't talk to them. And you just watch that instant thing of pain. You know, or for, for some, it's like, you know, you married Mr. Right, and then Mr. Right left you for someone else. And it just brings an incredible amount of pain. So if there's this potential for such great pain, why bother? Why bother with relationships? Let's just all get lickies and stay home next Sunday. <laughs> right? Why, 
why, why bother? And I know that some do, but the, the truth is this. There's something inside of us that craves relationship, real genuine connection with real people. It's, it's, we're designed that way. It's hardwired in us. It's, it's like the Ferrari. When you think of the Ferrari, the, the Italia, this thing was designed for the fast track. This thing was designed to fly on that road, not designed for the outback or the ditch where so many um, relationships end up. It doesn't work very well here. And this morning, if you're here and as we've chatted uh, over this little bit, you say, yeah, I'm, I kind of, there's pe- people's faces and names come into mind of the, the, the hurting or the broken or difficult relationships. Can I just say this morning, there's no simple solution. There's no like, this message is going to fix it. This is going to be the, you just go home and do this and it's all better. It, it isn't going to happen. Not, not exactly like that. But what I would encourage you this morning is this, to listen to just listen with your ears for what he has to say to you. They say, like we prayed, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Because in every relationship, there's two parts, but every relationship's only as healthy as the least healthy part. Every relationship's only as healthy as the least healthy one in it. So that's my question for you. In the relationships where there's a strain, where there's a struggle, or even where it's good, are you the least healthy one in that relationship? Because the thing is, we can't really change the other person. We think we can, and we notice all the stuff that we want to change in them, don't we? Especially the closer you get, it's like almost like you have a magnifying glass. The closer you get to them, you can see what's going on in their life. And then you compare, you know, your wife to someone else's wife. And, you know, you compare your kids to other people's kids. And it's pretty easy to see. And, and the closer you get with somebody, the more they see. Like, if you want to know about me, really, just ask Beth. She probably will tell you. Uh, there's, there's, like, they, they see the everything. And every one of us has it. And, and it's just, I don't know about you, but for me, it's this second nature almost to assume that it's always the other person's fault that's my first thing it's like they're they're always the one who's wrong this week um at at gray wolf lodge i came to to the little kids hot tub where the little kids get to pee in the hot tub right so that's uh that little hot tub is where i i found uh, i came came there and there's my brother-in-law jamie and he looks up at me with these eyes and there's i have two of my boys in there and he looks up to me like where were you I was like, uh, I was on a water slide. He's like, your kids got arrested while you were away. I'm like, arrested? And he's like, yeah, three of the workers had to come and they had your kids and they were holding them over at like the, where the quarantine area or whatever. And, and so, until one of their relatives came and rescued them, I was glad because our whole family was there. So one of the aunts rescued my kids. And I was like, I'm like thinking, man, what could they possibly have done in that hot tub to get all three, three of them? Including, like they just lumped Adrian in there with my kids as if that's my fault. He's probably the ringleader and got it all started. I'm like, it is definitely, what did they do? And so I asked Jamie, I kind of, I sometimes get those angry eyes. I'm like, what did they do? Like, and he looks up at me, he's like, them? He's like, it's what you did. And I was like, what did I do? He's like, you left them unattended. Don't you see the sign? And I'm like, I read the signs like, don't leave children unattended in the hot tub. <laughs> like, they can swim. Like, we've, we've, it's, this was like my, my time to go ride the rat. And I was like, but all of a sudden, it was that, that moment, the words from that sign just jumped out. It was like, oh, it, really, it, it was my fault. Like, it wasn't them, and it wasn't up to my, my relatives to clean up my, this mess. It was, it was my fault. Then later on, I found out that Max actually left the hot tub and went and told the workers, hey, we're left unattended here and here, you know? And, and so, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that later, but <laughs> in the end, it's still my fault. In the end, the words still speak right to my heart. And that's my hope through this series is that we would just allow his word to speak to our hearts 
to the only one that we can change in the, in the relationship. Um, you know, many uh, as, uh, of Jesus' teachings, as he talked to people, it was all about relationships. So often he talked about our relationship with God, the idea that people were apart from God and he came to bring them close. He was like, I want you to talk to not just God of the universe. You can call him your heavenly father because it's relationship. It's always been about that. The greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what? Love others because the relationship with him matters. But so does this, these relationships. They matter. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. As we study the Sermon on the Mount, for those who are studying along with me, you see Jesus saying these strange, strange things that seem, seem a little bit even strange in our culture, but really strange in their culture. Uh, and so uh, I just want to go there this morning for a bit. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus was talking to crowds of people about a different way of living, this brand new kingdom that was coming and it was, it was run on new principles. And he, he said this at the end of, uh, later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7 verse 1, he says, don't judge others. And you will not be judged. This is the most well-known verse in the Bible other than John 3.16. says somewhere in the Bible, don't judge. Well, this is where it is. Now you know, Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. But that judge doesn't mean condemn. That judge means that I give my opinion of what I think is right and wrong. This is my opinion of whether it's right or whether it's wrong, but it's just an opinion. It's that idea of judging animals at a show. The judge says, I think this one's better than this one. And that's the that same thing. He's like, don't do that to other people. Don't say, this is what's right and this is what's, this is what's wrong according to my opinion. He says in verse 2, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard that you use to judge is a standard by which you will be judged. Verse 3, and why worry about that speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own? Because it's so easy for us to say, oh, I know what's wrong in their lives, but what about mine? Verse 4, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? He says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye and you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And as Jesus is talking to them, what's he saying to this group of people? He says, be very, very careful how you view the other side of the relationships you're in. Be very, very careful how you view the other side of the close relationships. He says, friend, right? You're going to someone who's close. Brother, it's close. Man, it's amazing. He says, you know, what you sow, the way you, the way you look at others, the way you judge others, it's, it's coming back on you. You ever, around, ever been around people that are just so hard on everybody else around them? It's like they, they, they have such strong opinions about everybody else and where their lives are wrong. And then they wonder sometimes why they don't have any friends. Hey, that's tough. That's a tough interaction to be a part of. And Jesus is saying to them simply this. He's saying, be very careful how you, how you look at them. Because you might think you see logs, but it's probably, you know, the, there's, there's things in your own eye. You think, oh, I'm going to deal with that little thing. And it's actually, there's bigger things in your own life. And this morning, you know, we're so tempted to look for the specs. And even as we hear this, that temptation is, oh, I know who this is for. <laughs> Man, my kids, hope they're listening. You listening down there? You know, nudge your wife every once in a while. Or think, man, later on, I'm going to get my, they're not even here. I'm just going to get my mother-in-law to listen to this one online. Uh, it'll be there for them. But this morning and through this series, it's the thought of what it's going to, what's, what's going to happen in us. What's going to happen in us? You know, the best opportunity for healthy, life-giving relationships is for us to focus on, on you. To each of us to focus on our, ourselves. The only ingredient that we can change in any mix is us. You know, the kid science experiment, they put the Coke and the Mentos together and there's an explosion. You know, gasoline and the match, there's an explosion. For some of you, it's like me and my dad, it's an explosion every time. You know, me and my ex-wife or whatever it is, just explosion every time. If you change any one of those ingredients, we know it there, 
but it's so much more powerful to change it here. If we say, yeah, you know, the next time you go, it's like they're gasoline still, but you're no longer a match. You come in as water. Man, it's totally different. That's why Jesus would say things like a soft answer turns away wrath. Why? Because it, they aren't used to that. They're like an angry person meets another, and let's get angry together. Rawr! Where an angry person comes, and all of a sudden it's a soft answer. That doesn't make sense, and yet it does. Incredible. Jesus talked about relationships in a way that we're, being, that we're brand new, that the decisions we make now affect the decisions that, uh, and affect the life and relationships of our future. The seeds you sow now, they're growing. So Jesus said things that, that their culture thought were pretty new as well. You know, the disciples, all the children came to Jesus and they wanted to hang out with Jesus and the disciples were like, get out of here, you guys go down to kids' church. And what he's saying, no, let the kids come to me. See, we, we value children in our society a lot. You should see how much money we spend on these kids in this place. But we value kids. Back in that culture, they didn't value kids the same way. Kids are like, eh, if they make it to six, we'll value them. Then they're worth working on our farms or whatever. But Jesus changes and nah, these guys, man, it's all about them. You got you to gotta be more like them in this kingdom. And then he said to, to you know, the, the thing of love your enemies. And people are like, what? He's like, what do you mean love? Like, go the extra mile for them. And he told the story of the Good Samaritan. He would sit down and chat with a, a woman, a Samaritan woman. They all look at him like, he's talking to women. Jesus was the one who said women are on the same level as men. There's no racism allowed in this kingdom. There's no gender um, inequality in this kingdom. See, we take it for granted that that's something that we uh, have in our country. But Jesus was one of the first to say it. That it matters. Jesus would side with the prostitute, with the tax collector, with the sinner. He was the leader and he'd wash the feet of his disciples and everything was just head scratcher moments. This is so different. But Jesus simply said, I have a brand new way. I want you to interact with people. And that's not just, oh yeah, I sit in a, in a church and service and say, I'm a Jesus follower, but to, to actually follow what he simply said. And this is it. Peter and Paul wrote and said to the, to the new uh, believers, following Jesus it looks like this in all these ways. And when it comes to your relationships, here's what it looks like. And over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to intro it this morning. How does, it, how does it affect our families and our working relationships? And what you hear in the next moment is going to sound old-fashioned. Maybe you'll be like, yeah, that sounds like stuff my grandparents might have done, but not us. You know, that doesn't work now. That's not going to work now. Uh, it's, it's, it, does, it may seem even almost like it's like a brand new old, but for them... Same thing. It wasn't something that was normal to them. And they thought, ah, I don't know if that's going to work. It seems too ideal. But here's where Paul, as he wrote to the Ephesians, which we'll look at next week, he also wrote it to the Colossians in bullet points. So we'll go there. And he starts with this. Wives submit. We've had people leave the service as soon as they saw these words. They're like, ah, oh, the chauvinistic old-fashioned. And, and head out. Wives submit to your husbands. It's fitting for those who belong to the Lord. He says, that's, he says, that's how I want you to interact as a follower of Jesus in your relationships. Then he, well, there's more. He says this, husbands, love your wives, never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents. For your parents' sake, I'll tell you again. Children, always <laughs> obey your parents. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't aggravate your children. They'll become discouraged. 22 slaves, and since we don't have too many of those today, we're going to go with employees. Always obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try and please your boss all the time, not just when he's watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. 
You see that, and you're like, ah, you know, that's, here's a summary of it. It's pretty simple. It just simply says this. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't discourage your children. Uh, employees, obey your boss. Work diligently for them. Don't sleep while you're supposed to be working. And uh, it's all going to be good. And we look at that. We look at that. And we think, man, this creates a tension for us. Because if we look at our real world, it's like we see, can you just leave those up there for a second? We, we look at this list and we, we it, that sounds ideal. We would all love if that was, especially if you're like, well, all the husbands are like, if all the wives would submit, <laughs> I'm in for this. And the wives are like, yeah, if all the husbands would love us, you know, in, in that kind of an amazing way, man, I'm up for that. Parents are like, yeah, man, if the children would always obey, this life would be so much easier, wouldn't it? People are not sure if they should agree with that. Mark, that's true. That's true. But what happens? We have this tension immediately that comes in that looks at it and goes, you don't know my wife. You know, you, you don't live with my husband. You have no idea what my children have put me through. You have no idea how annoying my parents are. This is like, sure, that sounds like a great idea. It sounds ideal, but it's just really not, it's really not real. And so this morning, you know, when I think about that, it's the same thought. What if we just, instead of looking at them for a minute, just simply said, let's look at us. What about us? What do we do? What they do is out of our control, but what we do creates an opportunity for possible. We're like, that's impossible. What we do creates an opportunity for possible. And you know, the the thing is that the thought is this, that maybe it's not going to be in your current relationship. Maybe the marriage is too far gone. You don't control the other side to what they're going to do. Maybe that relationship with your child, they are, they're, they're going to decide that they're never going to come back and speak. Maybe that relationship between friends is like it's never going to be able to be um, repaired because you don't get to control the other side. But can I just simply say this this morning? That the ideal is worth holding on to for this reason alone. That our future family, what about our future family? Wouldn't I, I don't know, but I, I would guess... I would guess that every person who's gone through divorce would wish that their children would never have to be divorced. I I think that every single parent would wish that their kids wouldn't have to grow up and become single parents. I wish that, I think that every child who's like, hey, gone through, you know, heartbreak would, would wish that in the future that their children wouldn't have to go through heartbreak. I think that ideal, that same thing of saying, well, what do we do with this ideal? We can just write it off because it's not possible. Or we can say, no, I'm going to grab onto it and hold onto it, even though I may not be able to live it, to hold onto it for the future generation, for the future family. And we say, you know what? It's like, man, before it just gets so heavy, I'm going to cheer you up and then we'll leave. (laughs) I simply want us to look at how Jesus related to real people. In the last couple minutes here, it's this thought. Jesus came, and when people asked him, you know, about this, the ideal, and they tried to find different ways around it and, and everything else, Jesus just raised the ideal even higher. He just always said, hey, this is what, this is what it is. This is how I, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to love people the way I loved you. I want you to not just do unto others as you want them to do unto you. I want you to do unto others as I've done uh, for you. He just raised it so high. But what I find amazing is that for all the people who missed it, for every pe- people like me, people like you who didn't live up to the ideal, the way he handled that was incredible. And I think there's a lesson in it for us this morning is he just simply handled all those relationships with truth and with grace. He said to the woman at the well, you know, who had five husbands and was living with some other guy at the point, he's like, well, that's not ideal. He says, and he tells her the truth. He tells her the truth about her life, but then 
with such compassion and with such a heart of grace, speaks to her about the fact that he came for people like her and allowed for that thing to be, to be different. Where he said to the, you know, to the tax collectors and the cast-offs, the ones who had betrayed relationships, he's like, you know, you guys are sick. You know you are. You know that thing, your relationships aren't in right order, but, but I came for you. People would ask him, Jesus, what are you going to do to the to divorce people? What are you going to do to them? And he's like, I'm not going to do anything to them. I came to do something for them. I came to bring right relationship, righteousness, right relationship with God, that that might affect their relationships everywhere else. To the woman caught in adultery, what does he say? I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I think there's a tension there for us too. Because we want to look at certain things and relational things and treat the other side in a certain way. And he's like, listen, there's truth, but there's grace. And to use truth and grace in those same things, words of truth with a heart of grace. And so when we look at the list and we think, ah, I don't know how I'm living up to mine. I just would say, focus on yours. We say, maybe I've missed the ideal in some spots. My encouragement for us is to say that we, that we would continue to reach for the ideal, even if it's not for us, but for the next generation. To say that our future family, that we would keep dreaming about those kids downstairs, that they would see, hey, it, that that's still possible, that that's still the life that they, they can live, that that ideal can happen. But it doesn't happen just from following the words of Jesus. It happens from following Jesus. Even though the teachings are Jesus' teachings, he didn't say, come just and follow my teachings. He said, come follow me. Come turn your eyes on me. Not just a list of rules, but to turn to a person themselves. And this morning, that's our hope. That as we hear some of these things, that we would just have that opportunity to say, God, you know the names, you know the faces, you know the relationships. Lord, you know my part in it. And God, right now, I'm here on my own. God, would you, would you do in me what needs to be done so that reconciliation becomes possible? Would you do in me what needs to be done so that forgiveness is possible? Would you do in me what needs to be done so the future doesn't look like the past? God, would you fill me with your love? Would you fill me with your love? That's my prayer through this series because to be honest, there's lots of relationships I wish I could do better. There's lots of relationships I wish that were, that were better in my life. And I've realized that it's not just about, oh, I'm going to follow these rules, but Jesus, I just need more of you. It's what we sang this morning. There's a song called Build My Life. I just want to, we're out of time this morning, but I want to just read you the lyrics of this song that we, we sing often here. It just simply says, holy, there is no one like you. There's none beside you. Lord, open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Show me who you are. Fill me with your heart. Lead me in your love to those around me. Let's just ask our musicians to come this morning for a minute. As we just take a minute, you know, we can be so tempted to just be used to our regular routine of simply saying, oh, there's the songs, there's the sermon, pray, amen, go home. And really this morning, what we don't really need is just someone's opinion of Jesus. What we don't really need is just, oh, here's what I think you should do, and you know, here's, hopefully you thought it was good and funny and whatever, go. What we really need is Jesus. What we really need is Jesus. And so just for two minutes here, two minutes, would you just take a minute to sit quietly and just ponder, just ponder, God, what are you saying to me this morning?
What are you saying to me this morning? They just sing these words. Holy, there's no one like you. There's none beside you. God, open our eyes and wonder. Would you show me? Show me who you are. Would you fill me with your heart? God, would you lead me in your love to those in my family? God, would you lead me in your love to those friendships that are on the rocks? God, would you lead me in your love to the people that annoy me? God, would you lead me in your love to my spouse? God, would you lead me in your love to my kids? God, would you lead me in your love to my parent? Just take a moment just to pray over this yourself this morning. Maybe you're here and it's all new to you. I just encourage you, even, uh, even if you don't know the Lord, <laughs> by following what Jesus said, your relationships will be affected positively as a result. But it's so much bigger than that. He wants relationship with you. It's sin, the thing that breaks everything that keeps us apart. But he says, I'll take care of that. If you want forgiveness, I'm offering it. If you want to know the God of the universe, you can. You can. God, help us to build our lives on your love, to build our lives on your truth. In this moment, we respond to you. One of the ways that we know how. Say holy. Say holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you caught. Fill me with your love. Would you lead me in your love to those around me? Because holy, there is no one like. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Would you show me who you are, God? Fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken say holy there is no
God, I, I just believe you hear our prayers and I believe that you are powerful and can move in impossible situations with hearts that are surrendered to you. Lord, may these, may these words be a prayer that we take with us this week. That this afternoon you would show us who you are and you'd fill us with your heart and your love for others. That tomorrow morning when we wake up, God, that we would see you, be drawn to you, that you'd fill us with your heart and fill us with your love for others. That this week that we would see people the way you see them. The same people we see every day, God, will we see them the way you see them. God, would you love our world through us this week? Would you help us love our world this week? Father, thank you that when we leave this place, we don't leave you here. But Jesus that <laughs> said you never leave, you never forsake us. You put your spirit in us as your followers. So lead us into truth and to love this week. God, thank you for loving us enough to not leave us where you found us. And thank you for the great potential and opportunity that lies ahead of us this week. God, would you fill us with you so we're not needing it from anybody else. We can just simply share it with those around us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's in your name I pray, amen.